In a world where three pudgy middle school history teachers discuss random aspects of history. Well, that's... that's all I got. No, Hatfield, we got you. Yeah, I, Wait, who you calling pudgy? Yeah, man, that's kind of rude. No, I'm rude. It's the History Bros Podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the History Bros, everybody. It is the melodramatic tones of Jason Rude coming to you along with Brian Geldmacher and Jason Hatfield here oh, on this Sunday afternoon as we record it. Hello. Or Monday morning or later if you're listening to it. Um, we're going to talk to you today about historical related topics related <laughs> to history. And other mm. topics. Uh, Historical-related topics. This, is, to do this with episode history. is brought to you by the <laughs> Department of Redundancy Department. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? I'm falling asleep. Hey, well, you know what? That's what most people say when they listen to me teach. <laughs> so, How is teaching going? Uh, yeah. You know, it's not been too bad. We're doing a... Pro- so I will say... I, so can I... Do I get, is this the part where I get to brag about what I've been doing? Sure. Uh, sure. Go ahead. Cool. Um, so we are working on our a changing world unit, um, which is a, a, a big project. Um, and so basically what we're doing is we're look. The, the driving question of the whole thing is how can one event change the course of history or change the world, essentially? Hmm. Um, and so we were going to let them pick their own event, uh, but we also want this to be an oral history project. So for that to work, you kind of have to have people alive. Um, so, uh, cause otherwise we'd had people doing Pearl Harbor and it would have been really hard to find people that were alive, like, and experience that and get, get what we really needed out of that. Mm. Um, so what we ended up doing is, uh, we just kept everything with nine 11 because at this point, uh, my students' parents all were alive for that, so they can do a parent interview to start things out. That's kind of how they practice. But then they, they look at one aspect. They choose an aspect of American living, whatever it is, um, and they they look and see what the changes, what changed, you know. And so we have people looking at, you know, stadium security and uh, – Oh, building construction and how sports teams reacted to it and how the FBI changed the way they track people. And so I told them, I go, you're going to have to get an interview. And the interview can't just be like, okay, so you're doing stadium security. Don't go talk to the local high school athletic director and say, so how did stadium security change because of 9-11? Trust me, in this area, nothing really changed too much. Uh, go reach out to a college. Go reach out to a professional team. Go reach out to a, you know, a major stadium, whatever. And they're like, well, can we do that? I'm like, absolutely, I'll help you even. And uh, the, the results have been pretty spectacular. We had uh, one group that, what did they, who they talked to? I had one group talk to the FBI. Uh, I had one group talk to a, oh, this, he, this guy would be fun to have on our show. Um, he was on the counter-assault team for the, the Secret Service. So, like, the guys that are in the big war wagon when the president travels, and, like, if, if it hits the fan, they're the ones who got to fight, fight the way out. Um, so yeah, it was those guys. And then, uh, oh gosh, we had, uh, an ex NFL and, and college football player, 
uh, did a, a telephone interview with him. I've got one talking to the chief of security for the NFL. Um, gosh, um, I mean, you, you name it. We've we've been all over the board with it and, and had have had really, really good results with it. So it's been pretty mm. cool. Really cool, in fact. Your kids are good at uh, interviewing? Uh, I wouldn't say they're outstanding at interviewing, but uh, we've given them some, you know, it, it, it's, I don't sit in on the interviews with them, but I have gone through, um, we've done some lessons on how to interview, we've practiced it, mm-hmm. and then I take a look at all of the interview, look at their questions. I mean, we don't want them just saying, okay, write five questions you're going to ask and that's all you're going to do because we want them to be curious. So we say, here's five questions. So if you get stuck, you you pick up and, and, and go to the next one. But, you know, you ask the first one, be curious about the answer. Ask something, that, you know, based on what they said. Listen to what they said and ask something mm-hmm. else based on that. And uh, we had pretty decent success with it. They're not perfect by any means, but I would say that most people would think that they were maybe ninth graders instead of seventh graders asking questions. Yeah, that's better than nothing. So it's it's about the process. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, so it's it's been that's what that's what we're doing. Um, and then in, in next week we get into the Holocaust Project with my eighth graders, so they're going to be learning about all kinds of morbid stuff. Great. Oh, yeah. It'd be like a History Bros <laughs> episode. Wait, are you talking about the alleged Holocaust? No, I'm talking about the actual one. Mm, um, okay. I'm following this group online called CQ. Is it QAnon? QAnon? <laughs> Never heard of it. And, uh, you know, is I'm that, finding out some pretty crazy stuff. Is that, know, like a, a re- a lot. is that like a recipe? club or it is it's a recipe for disaster (laughs) (laughs) see how i set you up there didn't even try to that's well done nice work it up Uh, tee it up you'll knock it out of the park thank you i appreciate that (laughs) what are you Uh, up to mocker what about what about you uh i will tell you that just this past friday I was able to uh let my eighth graders in on a little secret uh one of the pregnant stories Wow. Way to ruin the surprise. Thank you. That's great. No, actually, um, I, I let them in on uh, one of my favorite historical stories of all time, and it has to do with the French and Indian War. Yeah, that's right. My eighth graders listened to a nice eight-minute chunk of the History Bros podcast for the first time. You just subjected them to that? <laughs> they so that they had to learn about that we had in listenership. I was going to say we did have a spike in numbers there. <laughs> For those eight minutes, at least, yes, uh, they learned about uh, young nothing. George they learned about and, uh, nothing. <laughs> they learned about Jamonville. That's not correct. They learned about Jamonville. Oh, that's it was, true. It was, it and was split and a splitting headache. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, I. It, it's um because the text talks about uh, Washington being a you know young volunteer and you know was, had not really done anything up to that point. So, um. Uh, you know, I was able to frame it where, you know, Washington kind of, you know. Crap the bed. Crap, crap the bed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then laid it out for them like, you know, oh, oh, and then there's this story. So, Yeah, <laughs> don't feel good? bad. We don't hate Washington. <laughs> We're just, don't tell Martha. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> I still right. want to know what that guy was thinking when you asked the cl- question to the Colonial Williamsburg guy on the online deal. You know that is, I, mean, I think at this point we're really in the weeds, but I would also love to to just 
I would love to pick the brain of the guy who's who plays Washington when we ask the question <laughs> about Washington. Right, exactly. Right. <laughs> it's so far gone. What did um, you think <laughs> when we asked that question? And he, you probably thinking, mm, you prick. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was uh, I, on a on a related note. I was looking at uh, the Colonial Williamsburg website, and I w- had stumbled across like their shopping site, and they sell. George Washington's a copy of obviously George Washington's journal um, from the Virginia campaign during the French and Indian War, or like the pre obviously French and Indian War. Did you? It's buy like fifteen it? bucks. I, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna pull the trigger this weekend. Should, I'm gonna buy. It. I don't know if he really ever. I mean, because I don't think there's anything in there that he really talks about because I would imagine there would be a lot more <laughs> discussion on his thoughts of so i turned around from the interpreter and (laughs) and there was half king with the brain on his hands (laughs) i was like oh those silly indians (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah i'm serious i said it during that podcast that you know if i could sit down with anybody oh yeah in history that I would want to ask, but you know, he'd probably be like, Oh, well, I, that was, that wasn't my fault. Those were, they were obviously members of Antifa. (laughs) 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 But, um, I don't know if he would be, you know, he would obviously very, be very diplomatic about that, but still it's like, I mean, he had no idea at that particular point, but with how, you know, tense it was between the English and the French at that particular point. I would imagine that there would have been, you know, oh, well, um, this might have started something. <laughs> really? You think? But then, you know, it's a, it's a perfect storm because then, you know, like we said, they go back to Fort Duquesne and his brother is there. And so where's my brother? I have waited long these many days to lay my eyes upon my family and you're like well mm. funny story about, about that <laughs> funny story yeah. <laughs> well if we take a look at it from the inside out no oh. that's a great movie great movie <laughs> way better than nine, 1911 or whatever it was oh god 1911 here we What's, go what movie was that i don't that know about? that's the movie you liked i thought oh, that's boy. not 1911 it's <laughs> There was no world global oh, conflict, I think, oh happening boy. at that particular point. Oh and, oh. What do you teach again? Do you teach shop? Wood shop? Is that- <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, but on a bright note, I did did get a piece of the Arizona this week. Yes, congratulations. Yeah. yeah, great job. Nice Thank work. you. You should get one too, Brian. Then you could be as cool as us. Yeah, I don't. I, we talked very briefly through a uh, text message about this. I, I don't know. I, I feel, and I know you told me they have a lot of pieces. They have a huge scrap. I, I, I'm not sure I can justify, you know, bringing a piece that uh, something that is that important to, you know, a school that has 150 kids or something like that. It just seems, I don't know, like it would be better used in other places. Hang on. Let, hang on. Hang on. Well, keep talking amongst yourself and, and go ahead and deny why you think that you shouldn't get that because I can uh, read you the email where she more. Yeah, hang on here. Here we go. 
Thank you for your yes, definitely. Uh, uh, oh yeah, here we go. Good radio. Do you know of any other schools or organizations in your area that might qualify or desire a relic? They must be a bona fide nonprofit or education institute and must agree to not sell or charge money strictly to see uh, the relic. I said yes, definitely. I have two colleagues that are definitely interested. You're one of them. Okay. I mean, it's. Hey, check this what, out. I, mean, I said, I, and the I said. Thing is, is that uh, so then? I mean, with. I want well, to distribute much you... as much of the Arizona steel as possible to respectable bona fide organizations. Her legacy needs to be remembered and shared. Just curious, how'd you hear about the program? And that's where I brought up uh, Hatfield. And she's like, oh, no way. Uh, I know him. And that's, that's all, all, all she said. No, I'm kidding. She said very nice things about him. So what I'm saying is, uh, Mr. Um, which one are you? Geldmacher, go <laughs> and get a piece of the Arizona. Okay. All right, I, I will. Uh, I will scroll back into our messages and. and I mean, uh, but the the here's the, the thing is that okay. you that not a lot of that this isn't something that's advertised all that much. So right. they don't have a lot of people. I mean they they want these to go to areas. They, to, you know, for educational purposes. They I mean, want right? and they want it to go to places. A yeah. Really huge thing and. You know, regardless of if you got 150 kids or something along those lines, I mean, that's still something that would be educational for no, you're them. Right. You're right. You're right. Right. So, they want it to go places where it's going to be appreciated and taken care of. And if there's one thing I know about Brian Gelmacher <laughs> is that he appreciates things and sometimes he takes care of stuff. Only very briefly. Well, yes. Now, I'm not sure if they would necessarily send it to, say, a clown college. Probably not. Right. You got right. to be bona fide, whatever that means. Bonafide Clown College. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Okay, there you go. No, but I'm nonetheless, not. okay. So we're 13 minutes into this thing. We probably should get heading in, get reared up in the right direction, I suppose. No, no. Sure. Okay, I was wrong. Never mind. We don't want to do any of that. <laughs> don't do that. We wouldn't want to be like focused on what we do. By the way, I had Italian last night. It was great. Speaking of focused, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Pizza Hut. Oh no! <laughs> Not this again. <laughs> anyway, um, so today we decided we wanted to pick a, uh, pick up a topic uh, that we had never. How, how did we come up with this? Something that we thought was really imp- no. I'm just kidding. We're like, hey, let's do something cool, and we've got a lot of West Coast people, and Oakland is we're we're speaking to our <laughs> Oakland crowd, sort of. Um, no, seriously, we're gonna we're gonna get into the topic of this island out in uh, San Francisco Bay that is known as Alcatraz, and uh, apparently there's been a few historical things that have happened there through the, through the years. I think the one most people are familiar with were when some special forces people in protest of um, the government's handling yeah, of that's correct uh, military um, in the field. Um, decided to take it over with some biological weapons mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, um, you know, fire uh, across the bay. And, that was a pretty uh, scary time in, uh, in American history. It was pretty tough. And then the uh, the FBI was able to wrangle uh, a former SAS agent. Wait, 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 wait. You, you need to do, if you're going to do this, you have to do this in your Sean Connery voice. <laughs> um, let me see. Mm. Uh, would you forget how to do it? No, I just need to find some good quotes from the movie. Not, uh, I don't. I mean, why would we have to do Sean Connery 
to recount an event that happened on Alcatraz. I'm not sure why this has anything to do with. Well, they call it The Rock. And you see, there's this movie called The Rock that had nothing to do with Dwayne Johnson. And oh, see. Oh, that's what we're talking about today. Oh, I'm totally unprepared then. See, I yeah. assumed it was Dwayne Johnson. Oh, geez. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, you, well, it wouldn't be the first time no, that we planned. I'm definitely a, blaming you for this because I feel like you weren't you weren't communicating properly. So it's, this would not be the first time that we planned on doing one thing. And then one of us, <laughs> not saying me, called an audible without us realizing it. But uh, not saying who. No, we're good. We're good. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Back to Sean Connery. Go ahead. I think we made him mad. He's not talking all of a sudden. What? No, I didn't. He's right there. All right, good. I guess we can we can live with that. Um, so my name is Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez, Chief Metallurgist, the King Charles V of Spain, and I'm at your service. I'm it's, just it's not it's not from the Rock, but you know <laughs> I needed to throw something out there. I appreciate that because I was going to call you out for not after teasing in, uh, us for over a year well, with your easy Sean for you to say. What do you mean? Yeah. Oh, no. yeah. Well, but here's the thing. I, I've never seen The Rock, the movie. Jeez. What? I I wish you loved America, Rude. Yeah. <laughs> why are you, what a comment. It, I mean, the thing is, is that, okay, so it was on Amazon Prime, so I decided to, you know, I was like, I haven't watched this in a while. I'll watch it in the theaters. Um, so Rude was probably about, what, two at the time? Ah, uh, I was and, 11. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. And, um... Uh, watching it, I just remember how awesome it was. Watching it now, it's like this is this is really like a little melodramatic. It's kind of you know, it's one of those. I can't remember who the uh, the directors and the producers are, but it's like you know, explosions and <laughs> dramatic lighting and the dramatic score and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And and at the time, that kind of stuff was they. It was just now starting to venture into that. Don't you remember Waterworld? Um, I saw that in the movie theater. Uh, I don't know if I've ever made it through Waterworld. No, I have. Same principle. Only not as well, well, not as well done. Anyway, The Rock. I didn't see it, and you guys are admonishing me for it. Yes. As we should, it's, by the way. Right. So we're talking about Alcatraz, obviously. Yes. And uh, there is a fair <laughs> amount of history. So obviously. Involving, uh, you know, maybe there's no telling when you've got, you know, ADHD on, you know, the rampage on this podcast. Hey, listen, um, to you, but you have, um, so, you know, I'm sure people have heard about Alcatraz, but do you guys want to discuss it? You don't right, uh, do. Okay. Well then, uh, you're in charge. Sure. So it's located, um, in San Francisco Bay, near San Francisco, uh, mm-hmm. the island of Pelicans, I believe, is that what is that right, Geldmacher? Well, um, Alcatraz is Spanish for pelican, so the the guy who charted the bay um, noticed apparently there was a a large gathering of pelicans on the island when they first made it through. So <clears throat> he referred to it as again Alcatraz, which means pe- uh, pelican. Okay, all right, that makes sense. Actually, um, yeah. scholars contend that the <laughs> Meaning. Was Wait lost for it. Wait for it. What did, what did he say? I, I missed it because I was waiting for it. No, I was just you know we're because San Diego. Anyway, so um, pelican. <laughs> I didn't. I don't think I knew that Alcatraz meant pelican. That's... Who, who's got ADHD now? Um, <clears throat> anyway, 
The uh, so the, the question is, what is Alcatraz? Well, obviously it's an island, but there's been many different iterations. It's been a fort, it's been a prison, it's been Native American land, uh, it's been a, uh, a, a tourist attraction, it's been many different things through its its years, and and all have very very interesting histories. And I, I we're not going to be able to cover it all today, but we'll give you a little bit of taste of of some of what happened there. Um, first chartered in 1775 by the Spanish, a naval officer by the name of Juan Manuel de Ayala uh, first mm-hmm. charted it, meaning he put it on a map. Um, and it was claimed by for the United States uh, in 1947, well, a little bit before that, I guess, by a guy by the name of John C. Fremont. Um, he's going to go out and buy the island from a, a French dude for five grand. He thinks he's going to get, oh, sorry, I cut you off. Nope. Uh, I was just going to say um, 1847, not 1947, as Mr. Rude so uh, what's eloquently new? put it. What's new? I always screw that up. <laughs> anyway. No worries. Yeah, it no was, worries. It's fine. It was designated, to kind of put things into, I think, a little bit of history, it was designated as a reserve or a military reserve by Millard Fillmore. Is that right? You're, you're, you're getting um, ahead of me. Oh, I'm sorry. You, you can go into that, uh, uh, number two, uh, <laughs> in a second here. But John C. Fremont, the uh, some often controversial um, guy, we'll say, uh, who was a frontiersman, uh, worked with Dan, not Daniel Boone. Um, oh, some of the Western explorers. I can't remember who else was out there. Maybe it was Daniel Boone. But anyway. No, it, was, no, it wasn't. It was... Um, uh, uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Keep going. I'll, I'll, I'll remember it in a second. But anyway, he buys it for $5,000 and helps to establish this. Uh, then, of course, this is before California had become a state. Now, he thinks he's eventually going to get big compensation for making that purchase for the government. And uh, they see otherwise. They never pay him for it. And his family is going to be going to continue to sue the U.S. government up until the 1890s to try to get <laughs> compensation for Kit him. Carson. Kit Carson, Carson. there you go. That's right. There you go. Uh, So Fremont and Carson were kind of the uh, the bushwhackers out in in the the uh, the West. They were they were actually sent out to try and before the uh, the Mexican American War, sent out to try and convince uh, the people that were living in California to kind of rise up against the Mexicans. Yes, Mexican government. Exactly. Exactly. Right. All right, but then in, in 1850, uh, as Hatfield's going to continue on, Millard Fillmore uh, is going to change the purpose of the island a little bit. Well, the only thing that I, I mean, I don't really know that much about Alcatraz, except that uh, Na- uh, Native American movement had kind of uh, commandeered it for a time, and that was obviously a federal uh, penitentiary. Um, but uh, the thing that I can say is that Millard Fillmore um, was uh, one of the presidents that uh, sent. Um, uh, Matthew Perry, Commodore Matthew Perry, out to force Japan to open its doors to the outside world. Mm-hmm. And so you're thinking when that was becoming basically a military fort, Japan was still in a feudal society. Um, and it hmm. kind of puts things into a, a pretty interesting uh, context of time. Sure. Uh, and, and California is going to become a state, an actual state, in 1850. Millard Fillmore, I believe, was the president at that time. And so he's going to declare the island to be a military reserve, basically for exclusive use by the military. 1847, they're, they're going to start building the fort there. And then when it becomes a state, that's when Millard Fillmore declares it the reserve. Um, 
and uh, from there, it was meant to def- defend the harbor. Um, obviously, having an island out in the middle of the harbor gives you a um, an advantageous point in which to place cannon, which they did. Uh, and then right. they, they garrisoned about 200 men there. But they started with, I think it was 85 cannon, 80 or 85 cannon, and maxed out at 105 cannon. Uh, so they had enough cannon available that they could, uh, they had massive firepower, but they actually didn't have enough men to use all the cannon at once if they had to. Uh, but then they also used it to house weapons and basically use it as a um, an armory because right. they felt that, uh, especially as Confederate, as, as we're starting to see this stuff uh, take off with uh, the slavery, anti-slavery movement and the, the lead up to the Civil War and eventually the Civil War, um, you know, there were still, there, there weren't a lot because, you know, California was a free state, but there were still Confederate sympathizers out in California, and they were afraid sure. that Confederate sympathizers would try to overrun California installations and steal weapons. So they said, well, we'll put it out in Alcatraz because there's a mile and a half of water between them and everything else, and we can see them coming, um, so stuff should be safe out there. And uh, Geldmacher, do you want to kind of get us as it goes into a military prison? Yeah, well, they uh, during the Civil War, they used the Fort Fort Alcatraz at that point to imprison Confederate sympathizers and privateers uh, who were doing their business along the West Coast. But those hundred and whatever cannons uh, never actually <laughs> never actually fired their guns at any enemy. Uh, it was literally just used as a as a military prison. Um, uh, it kind of, uh, is, is that way for several years, uh, again, as early as, is the 1850s, uh, until it's transferred to the Bureau of Prisons in 1933. Now there's a lot of history we skipped there. Um, but specifically talking about it being, um, a military prison, that's, that's kind of the history behind it. Uh, you know, they used it, um, during the Spanish American war, the population increased from, you know, in the hand, you know, a couple dozen up to 450 uh, people. They had improved the uh, the facilities there, um, adding a brick jailhouse. Um, you know, it was eventually determined to be like a long term detention facility for military prisoners. So guys that weren't like awaiting any sort of trial, these are guys who were you know serving out sentences. So, mm-hmm. um, let's see. Uh, 1907, it's officially designated as the Western U.S. Military Prison, uh, the U.S. Disciplinary Barracks. Um, in 1909, construction begins on a huge concrete main cell block, uh, which remains the island's dominant feature, and it's completed in 1912. So when you think of Alcatraz and you think of the prison barracks, um, I believe that's the building that you're talking about, you know, that is the main building at top of the hill, so... Right. And there's going to be some construction, deconstruction, reconstruction, but right. the footings are going to be used. I think they actually tore that building down to the first floor and oh, okay. used that as basically that became the, the basement. And so when you hear stories about the dungeon of Alcatraz, I think that's what they're talking about. Ah, uh-huh, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, in like you said, in 33, it's going to be uh, transferred to the Bureau of Prisons. And on August 11th of 1934, the first batch of prisoners are going to be brought in. Most of these prisoners are being brought in from Leavenworth, Kansas, um, mm-hmm. and then also mm-hmm. from Atlanta, where the two main places they were coming oh. from. 137 of them are going to come in. And basically, 
the idea wasn't so with, with Alcatraz, you know, it, it gets this reputation of being inescapable, which is ofi- uh, officially true, um, unofficially <laughs> or conspiratorially, however you want to describe it. There's there. We can talk about that later, but um, the, it wasn't so much the fact that once you got on the island, you couldn't get off. That wasn't really the point of Alcatraz. Um, you know, it wasn't like, well, these are the people that are most likely to escape, so therefore we need to put them there so that they there's no way they can get back into society. Right, 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 right. The deal was it was meant to be the toughest prison in the country, and it was meant to be a behavior modifier. So if you had behavior issues in the prisons, just like sometimes we run into with schools, they send you there, and they will deal with you and try to convince you about how you should be acting so that you can be sent back to other prisons um, and understand that, you know, if, if this is the way you're going to be, here's what happens. Hmm. Um, because serving serving time at Alcatraz, as I said, is, is, is serving hard time. We're going to get to Al Capone a little bit. Um, Al Capone in Atlanta had a pretty good life. I mean, he had the run of the place. He got to, <laughs> I mean, he... he, he he had money shipped into him and there's stories where he would get hundred dollar bills. Um, and he'd pay off guards, he'd pay off bodyguards. Um, you know, he, he, you know, anything he wanted, he, he, he could pay for it. When he got to Alcatraz, there was no more communication. There was no more, any of that stuff. And I mean, he's going to get, he's going to get attacked a couple of times, like hardcore and people, uh, he was, and I'll just say it now, Al Capone in the prison system was universally hated. Absolutely universally hated because um, he, you know, he would talk this tough story when he was outside or on the outside. And, you know, he was the untouchable guy on the outside. But what it turned out is he's actually pretty mentally. He was just weak. You know, like, you know, he, he, he's sure. the one that would cry at the drop of a hat if, if you know, whenever, you know, or, you know the, he's the sibling that would cry as soon as as something bad happened. You know what I mean? Um gotcha. You know, and, and so the, the, they didn't have time for that. And the fact that he would basically buy himself, you know, improve situations. So uh, prisoners didn't like that. Uh, and we'll get into right. that a little bit more later. Um, but uh, as far as escape attempts, I mean, obviously there were, there were some attempts, 14 to be exact, uh, in the 29 years it operated by 36 in, uh, inmates. 23 of them were caught alive. Six were shot and killed during their escape attempts. Two drowned and five are listed as missing and presumed drowned. Presumed. Presumed. Officially, (laughs) nobody escaped. Unofficially, there's three that may have for sure. Um, and then the, obviously there's two that are uh, two others that are unaccounted for, but um, we can get into that that 1962 escape attempt where they never found them. They don't know what happened to them, whether they got eaten by sharks, whether they made it out, or whatnot is the uh, topic of much much debate. Um, the 1962 attempt is that the attempt that is. Um commemorated um in like the escape from alcatraz the movie i believe so yes okay all right it's the one where they had the doll heads that they made with you yeah hair. super creepy doll heads yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah they're it, it's it's creepy creepy 
No doubt about that. <laughs> um, and yes, if you've ever seen pictures of them, they are creepy doll heads. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yes, that's that one. And I, the names are escaping me. It's two brothers and another guy. And I think one was McNamara, McEnany, McNamara. It's McNamara. I've got them right here. Hang on. It's uh, Frank Morris, John Anglin, and Clarence Anglin. Oh, and All three men are believed to have drowned in their attempt. Um, Why do they think that? What, what evidence do they have that they drowned? Because they have no physical evidence of them, so they presumed that they drowned. It's it's pretty thin as far as an excuse, not an excuse, but as a uh, you know, as if an official story, it's it's pretty weak. Right, right. Because I would I would go under the assumption that if you didn't find evidence, then they're not dead. Well, I think at but. the time they wanted to put out the vibe that I I think over time that inescapable adjective started to be a thing people actually believed so if you all of a sudden have three guys who seemingly made it off the island you had to come up with some sort of story that said no 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 you know they sharks got them or whatever the story was there's no way they made it off the island they probably drowned right and yeah. that's that's what was gone with instead of well if we didn't find a body that means they're out there somewhere good luck you know right Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's a, there's actually some really, really good stories that have been written down from people that served time in Alcatraz. One of them is a guy by the name of Brian Conway. And if you want to read the full article for yourself here, uh, you can go to www.rd.com, which is Reader's Digest, slash article, slash life, dash in, dash Alcatraz. Um, now I'll, I'll try to remember to put that in the liner notes too here, but, um, mm -hmm. this is a guy who had a 12 year stretch for murder. Um, and, uh, basically he had no alibi. He said, yep, I, I did it. And so I, he was serving his, his, uh, his time. So he was in Atlanta to begin with. So he knew Capone from Atlanta, but then he also knew him there. And so here's, what's interesting. This is direct. The, he, he's telling this story, um, Two Reader's Digest back in 1938 uh, to a reporter by the name of T.H. Alexander. Uh, it says, by comparison with Alcatraz, life, wa uh, life was soft in Atlanta. The routine was not so deadly, and the men had a chance to make a few dollars in the mills with which they could buy candy and cigarettes. If they had more money, they could get other privileges, too. Al Capone, for in instance, lived like a king in Atlanta, and it was reported among us that he had money brought in from Chicago by the suitcase full. I saw several hundred-dollar bills, which convicts told me Capone had given them for favors. And I know that he had a bodyguard composed of con uh, yeah, uh, had a bodyguard composed of convicts. It was right comical to see Capone exercising in the yard, surrounded by his guard, uh, everyone whom had a long knife or a blackjack. Such weapons were plentiful in, in Atlanta at the time. Um, but here, here you go. All my friends had had warned me against Capone. He is as unpopular at, at Alcatraz as he was at Atlanta, not because of the crimes in which he was charged, but because he was a weak link and can't take it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it's interesting. There's a hierarchy. Okay, so this is what's interesting, and, and this is just, this is prison in general. And I actually knew a little of this stuff, not because I served time, but um, dad being in law enforcement kind of, mm -hmm. you know, he's talked to enough Bureau of Prisons people, and this is sure. this is legit. Some sentimental people like to think that kidnappers and murders, murderers are looked down on by other prisoners. It simply isn't true. 
Um, old time wardens say that murderers are the aristocrats of crime. Speaking by, by and large, there is no grading of prisoners by any social case system set up by themselves, with one notable exception. In, a, in any American prison, the men committed for sex crimes are not accepted in the company of the so-called decent element of criminals. The reason, however, is not because they've committed revolting crimes, but because they're usually unstable, unreliable, and often actually insane. Hmm. So that's really, I mean, it, it's interesting. Um, yeah, there's, uh, uh, let me see if I can find the other Capone stuff in here. Um, but they said Alcatraz was miserable because you could be hotter than blazes in the summer, but you're out there in the middle, uh, you know, a mile and a half from any land with water all around you with the ocean breeze blowing off. And it, it, it done right cold all the time. Wow. But mm-hmm. here's one thing they did say. The, uh, he said that the, uh, the warden believed that serving good food helped prevent riots. So there were some people who did actually want to go to Alcatraz. Be- <laughs> Seriously, because he would feed. Good. Yeah, well, yeah, he would feed them decent, uh, decent food. Yep, and, and, and exactly. And there was a couple other things with that, too. There was a few, like, not com- creature comforts, but just little things that you don't think of. Um, but that was a big deal to, to these to these guys. Um, so they mm-hmm. wanted to go there for that. Well, they didn't realize all the structure, and, you know, they had to have a head count uh, every half hour. You know, they were getting up at 6 in the morning, um, all that, all, all, <laughs> all kinds of good stuff. But here we go. Um, I was assigned to work in the laundry, and I received a cordial welcome from the men there when I reported for duty. Al Capone remembered, uh, Al Capone remembered me from Atlanta, but I didn't encourage him. When he tried to give me a magazine, I refused and said, dummy up, Al, dummy up. This is prison <laughs> slang for don't speak to me. <laughs> Capone looked at me for a second, then replied as he turned away, okay, pal. <laughs> Cap- <laughs> Capone gets lonesome because he doesn't come in contact with many other men. He's lost weight and is, and is said to be in mortal fear of his life and is deprived of all the privileges he used to purchase in Atlanta. Now, hmm. what else? The other things I found about him from a different guy. This is a, a newspaper article I read uh, that was from a, a different guy. He said that, or, or in the article, they they said that Capone uh, at one point was doing his job. Oh, so he, he his job was to pick up trash, basically cigarette butts and paper out in the in the yard. Sure. And apparently, he got jumped and somebody clubbed him with a with a board across the back oh. of the head and knocked him out right. in prison. And then like there, you do. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. And then there was, an, <laughs> there was another time where apparently he um, was had gone to get a haircut and the, the barber didn't like him. And so as, as he was finishing the haircut, the barber took the scissors and jammed it right in his back and oh, uh, almost lacerated a kidney um, and almost killed him. Hmm. So yeah, I Capone. Wasn't aware of that. That's crazy. Yeah, Capone did not. I didn't know I that either. Definitely put in a really bad, um, bad word on Yelp for that one. Right, that guy's yeah, no stars, no stars. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so here's <laughs> here's some more about this. Uh, another one from this guy. After we locked in ourselves in the evening, evening, and until lights out about nine, uh, I wouldn't swear the exact time, but there was plenty of time for reading. Some magazines are admitted, some are not. The convicts, convicts would prefer daily magazine newspapers and detective magazines, which are never allowed. The most prized possessions in Alcatraz are newspaper clippings, which are hmm. passed uh, from hand to hand until worn out, and most of them concern prison breaks and crimes. Ah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, um, yeah, go ahead. I, I don't want to jump ahead too much. Uh, can because I had absolutely no idea that this was even a thing. Can someone fill me in on the uh, the occupation after the prison is closed? In in uh, I guess there was two occupations. Well, there's the big one in sixty nine to seventy one. Yes. Okay, because I'm looking at why I've just stumbled across Native American occupation. It says that they were occupied for the first time in 1964 by a Sioux activist and 35 others that lasted only four hours. So that's actually not even 69 wasn't even the first time that happened. So uh, it happened once before that. But I, I mean, tell me about the uh, the one that happened in 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 the uh, late 60s. Hatfield, you know a whole lot about that one. Because I'm absolutely, that's news to me. I, wow. Um, I'm, I'm familiar that it happened. I don't know enough of the information as to um, why or um, how long, who was involved, that kind of stuff. But I do remember hearing a lot about them. Uh, you know what I can do? And I encourage all of our listeners to do so. I'm going to look more into this. Absolutely. Not now, obviously, but. Yeah, so, I mean, here's what I can tell you about it that I know for sure. Um, basically, you had, uh, it had to do with the Native American, uh, I've got it here, hang on, hang on, I got it, I actually have it in the notes. Um, where is it, where is it, where is it, where is it? Here we go. Uh, things are going to be closed, uh, here we go. It begins in 1969, there actually is a date, um, and it ends on June 11th of 1971, basically there was an Indian termination policy. What was going on, and I forget which president did it, um, but it goes back to the early 1900s, the United States government, and this is going to include some of the Indian boarding schools, basically they were trying to kill off the Indian culture. And so at one time you were running the Native Americans off their lands and putting right. them onto reservations. This next order essentially was... Um, running them off the reservations then and just trying to completely eliminate the Indian, the Native American culture altogether if, if, if they could. Okay. Um, and so the Native Americans that were, and I forget the, the, the tribes that were involved, there were a couple different tribes, I believe. Um, but basically they said, you know what? This is our land to begin with. We're going to take it back over. The government's not using it for anything, and we're going to make our point. And basically what they did finally get done is Nixon, the guy that convinced President Nixon in 71 to rescind the uh, Indian termination policy. Uh, and like I said, that was a catalyst for the protest in the first place. Um, wow. There is now I, I did read something about the National Park Service because obviously it's a national park or national mm -hmm. historic site now run by the Park Service. Mm -hmm. And uh, so obviously there was graffiti put all over the the, uh, the buildings there after this event had gone down, um, which, I mean, you, you kind of understand. I mean, I, I get it. Um, mm -hmm. But anyway, after uh, one of them was, one of these things was, I believe, painted in bright red on the, the, the water tower that kind of commands the skyline as you look at the island. Um, and it, it sounds like when they repainted the water tower um, for just for maintenance, it sounds like they actually repainted the graffiti back on there as well and preserved that graffiti. Oh, cool. I think that's true. Mm. Maybe I read that wrong, but I think that's mm. what I heard or read. So It's these little stories that, you know, I mean, yeah, there's a huge history. Capone was there. Uh, you know, it was a Civil War fort, whatnot. I think it's stuff like this that actually is more interesting. Like, uh, exactly. like I'm looking at um, 
Yeah, just pictures uh, that I stumbled across in this one article that shows the warden's house that was burned out during the occupation. See, I would, that would mm-hmm. be amazing to try and see. Um, oh, yeah. I, I've... I've never researched the history of Alcatraz. I've never like looked into it, but it's always been something that has been very fascinating. And I'm sure that's that way for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm actually I'm at, not that I have an official bucket list, but I think I may have just added Alcatraz to it. It's on mm-hmm. mine, absolutely. Yeah, I've never been out. There. My parents have been there. My dad loved it. He said it was great. Um, cool. There's a book called The Battle of Alcatraz that is really really good. And that one is actually about an event that uh, happened on May 2nd and 3rd of 1946. It was the deadliest day in Alcatraz. You had six prisoners that were going to try to escape. And basically what they had done is they were able to break break into the armory where they kept the weapons. Uh-huh. Um, and and it, it, it actually, they had to send in, I believe, they had to send Marines in to put this down um, because they'd gotten themselves barricaded so well, but five, five people are going to die. I want to say it was three prisoners and two guards. I think, um, I hmm. could be wrong on that. So if somebody else finds out and, and uh, double officiate, yeah, but it's been a long time since I read that book, but it was a very, very, very interesting read. It goes through the whole story of exactly what happened and how they had done this. And basically you had five to six months of this guy, um, basically watching the guards, taking notes on what they were doing, and then formulating a plan based on that. And like I said, they got themselves into the armory, and the, the problem was they couldn't get themselves out of the prison itself. They were they mm. basically trapped themselves inside there. So it was essentially, it came down to, well, we're either going to die or we're going to get retaken. And Yeah. <laughs> they fought it out. Wow, that's uh, crazy. Yeah, mm. that was in, in, in 1946. So, um, but yeah, and, and that's the thing is like, there's so much history to this island that we're not covering. And some of oh, it, sure. we just don't know it. And that's where I think, you know, if we were, we could probably revisit this if we could get some, you know, get somebody that is, you know, working there, get a park ranger or something like that. Um, mm. It would be fun. So, I mean, unless there would, who knows, maybe we've got, you know, we've got people here listening in Oakland, we think. So hopefully, maybe, and, and maybe their ears are bleeding at this point saying, oh my God, you screwed this up royally. And if that's true, just let us know. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. What other things have you heard? Well, now there's been pop, pop culture references to Alcatraz many times, right? Like what? I'm not sure what you mean. Well, but I like there's movies and whatnot. I mean, what are, <laughs> I know you, I know, but I'm like, but I'm being serious. Like what have... Where have you, where all have you seen Alcatraz referenced in movies and, and whatnot? Um, I mean, I, I mean, there's the escape from Alcatraz, which was, you know, the, again, the super creepy dummy heads and, uh, um, obviously the rock, which is, you know, the super guilty pleasure movie. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking there's another movie that I saw that references Alcatraz, but I don't remember what the name of it is. And I'll let's go back and look. So please uh, jump over me and talk. Cause I'm not gonna, I'm going to see if I can find what the movie is. Um, uh, I mean, there's obviously, yeah, I think escape from Alcatraz and the rock is the one that's, you know, obviously the, but um, I don't know if I've had many more. Um, what is it? I'm trying to think. 
No, I think those are really the only um, instances that I'm aware of where it's been the referenced, bird, at least. To, I mean, the, I'm sure it's been referenced more than that, but in my experiences, that's all I've ever. The really Birdman from Alcatraz, or the Birdman oh, Alcatraz. Yeah, okay, yeah, there's the Birdman, that's right. So that's here's right. what's that interesting. I did some looking on that one. Robert Stroud's his name, and he was in for a manslaughter sentence uh, for killing a bartender. And uh, what happened is he fatally stabbed a guard at Leavenworth in 1916. So they said, well, oh, here's where you're going. And as it, so it, when he was at Leavenworth, he, he could do – he, he basically started to uh, study uh, uh, birds and ornithology and whatnot. Or, yeah, ornithology. Um, and so he was able to allow to – raise canaries and whatnot in his cell. Once he got to Alcatraz, nope, they didn't let him do that. So this whole mm. Birdman of Alcatraz concept, not true. None of it. Huh. So, yes, he, he did. He would read about birds and whatnot, but he was not allowed to have birds in, the, in his cell with him, though the, well, the movie did it that way. Exactly. Which is kind of interesting because wasn't it a bird sanctuary for a time? More or less, yeah. Well, yeah, that, that it's named after birds. Well, yeah. Hmm. But I'm just, yeah. Oh, and I want to clarify something. Uh, I told you that it was the Spanish word for pelicans. That's not 100% true. It is the. Uh, Powhatan? The. Uh, no, no, no. no. Uh, Juan Manuel <laughs> de Ayala named it the Island of the Gannets, but it is commonly believed to translate to the Island of the Pelicans. A gannet is a, uh, it's a, it's a seabird. Um, so he named it after a seabird, but. Someone took the translation. <laughs> that, that doesn't happen. Um, and basically misunderstood it and, and uh, translated it to Island of the Pelicans, which is... So, so, so I was right. Yeah. Scholars contend that the yeah, translation, the translation was lost. lost. There you go. Yeah. So here, well here's, a, here's another little interesting thing about it. Um, Once again, Anchorman gets it right. Yeah. So after the prison <laughs> stood dormant for 16 years, Native Americans uh, occupied it as Mohawk... Richard Oaks took over the island in November. It was November of 69. Basically, they were citing um, the 1869 eight treaties that, that granted unoccupied federal lands to Native Americans uh, wasn't honored. Um, and so their proclamation on this whole thing, first off, what they wanted to do was get rid of the, um, the prison, and they wanted to create a, a university and a cultural center. Um, but the proclamation also offered to purchase the island. For twenty-four dollars in glass beads and red cloth. Sound familiar? Is this the Manhattan? Yes. Yep. Mm. The the same price that that the Dutch settlers paid for Manhattan. Correct. Gotcha. Yep. And then uh, federal marshals actually went in, and there was obviously uh, Nixon um, rescinded the uh, uh, what did I say? The tri not the Tribal Act. Um, the uh Termination Act, there Indian Termination you. Policy. There you go. Um, but they, it did take federal marshals going in to remove them and uh, pull them mm. out. Uh, but here, here, here it is. When the National Park Service recently rebuilt Alcatraz Water Tower, they made sure to repaint the red graffiti that read, Peace and Freedom, Welcome, Home of the Free Indian Land. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Um, so there's that. Um, and there was also a lighthouse there. In fact, I think there still might be one there. Uh, was it the first West Coast lighthouse built in in 54. what would become the United, the United States? Yeah, yeah, I think the West Coast. Yeah. Oh, yep. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Exactly. So there there was that. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's there's uh, some interesting things about it. You know, I was talk. I had referenced the fact that inmates 
wanted to go. Some inmates wanted to go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Johnston, like I said, he knew food was uh, sometimes a cause of prison riots, and so he'd <laughs> give, serve good food to avoid riots, um, and he'd let them have as much as they wanted. So, like, you didn't go hungry. Um, hmm. And then the other thing is, if you were well-behaved, you'd act, have access to movies every month, a library with 15,000 books, and 75 magazine subscriptions. Wow. Um, so, I mean, that's that's better than most places if you behave, essentially. You know, so, hmm. I mean, there's there's some some really cool stuff. And there was, there's a story about mutinies where... Basically, the workers refuse to work and all kinds of different things. And there's stories about putting people down into the uh, the solitary confinement chambers. And, you know, they had six cells. And in one of them, it was um, dark. Uh, by that, I mean there was there was no light. Like, it was completely unlit. And the only thing you had was a hole in the middle of the floor um, in which to, to go to the bathroom if you needed to. But the way it worked in those solitary confinement cells, this is how bad it was. What they would do is you'd go in, and mind you, I've never been to, to Alcatraz, but I'd, I'd love to go, like I said. But what they would do is you'd go in there uh, as a, soldier, or a prisoner, and then uh, you'd sleep for the night, and then when you're at 6 o'clock when they woke you up with a bell, a, a guard would come in, take the mattress out of the, out of the room, and then you were left with either the metal grate uh, basically, uh, you wouldn't, wouldn't even that. Basically, you could lay on the cold floor or you could stand. That's all you could do. They're basically, you, yeah. That mm-hmm. would be miserable. Yeah, a little bit. Well, it's prison. True. Oh, I know. I get that. I understand. You know, but I mean, I and this is, we're going to get way off into the weeds here. But, you know, we've done a lot of stuff on, on Alcatraz. Maybe it's okay to go here. It It, it <laughs> brings up the question of what is the right way to imprison people? You know, and I don't want to go all 13th amendment and I don't want to go all Swedish Norwegian prisons versus us prisons. Um, but I mean, that was my first place to go to. Right. That's the first thing I thought of as well. Right. But I mean, seriously, there's, there's some questions about that. Um, you know, about what's the right way to, to handle prison, you know, and whether or not the prison system works. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not here saying it doesn't work. I'm just saying that there's, there are people out there that question it. Well, I mean, we've always understood it to be one of those things that if you do something terrible that you should see punishment that is like that terrible thing you did. Um, well, let's preface that this isn't a county jail. Right. No. This is, yeah, this, yeah, is, this, is, this was for extreme, you know, cases. So, right. I mean, it's like if you got caught jaywalking, no, they shouldn't do that kind of stuff. No, it's of course not. Whole punishment should fit the crime kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, kind of like Hatfield said, though, it is a prison. I mean, if you don't want to be there, don't commit crime. Like, don't kill people. Don't rob banks. I mean, right. I, you know, don't commit tax evasion, which is really weird. But right. Um, the, the, so the, the question, <laughs> it, it's, it's not like so much. That. It's not so much that. Here's the thing. Uh, the question becomes the human side of, is it rehabilitating? Uh, you know, and that's the thing. Not everybody that goes to prison is going to stay there for life. If it's not partnered with something else, no. Is it is prison by itself rehabilitating? Probably not. For some people, it may be. Uh, for some people, that's all they may need to change their life. Um, but for most people, probably not. So I guess if it's not partnered with other services or resources, then no, it may not be. 
Well, right. And so that's the thing is if you treat people as, you know, if you treat people inhumanely and, and what I mean by that is you treat them as not humans, will they become not human? That's the question that well, gets asked. And, uh, well, you know, I think in some cases when people are thrown into, say, solitary confinement, um, a mm-hmm. lot of times it's not just because – I mean, it's like you're saying – on this particular island, if you behaved well, if you did certain things like that, then you would be given, um, you know, movie nights and, you know, that kind of stuff. Sure. So, you know, I, I, to say that they were treating everybody like that may be a little bit of a, maybe a little misleading. Well, and I'm not saying they were doing that. I'm talking prison in general. I'm not saying specific to Alcatraz. The example you give about uh, or that you come back to with the movie night absolutely and here's the thing and, and again i'm not i'm not suggesting that the way we're, we're imprisoning is, is necessarily wrong um what i am saying is like most things prison is the idea of prison and the reality of prison are two very very different things mm-hmm. and so you hear people complain about um uh, you know, oh my gosh, they're eating better than I am. And oh my gosh, they get TV, it's prison. Why are they getting that? Well, here's why. Because like the, the warden said, sometimes if prison food is bad enough and they're not getting enough and the prisoners get upset, it causes unrest. The next thing you know, you've got a prison riot. You know, or um, t- television in, in jail or in prison is a privilege. And it's a very, very effective thing in controlling people's behavior because you can take it away. And mm-hmm. so if you act like an idiot, you lose those privileges and now you've got something to hang over their heads. Kind of like how we handle things in school, not to say the schools are prisons, um, but but there's <laughs> rewards. Like well, like but there's rewards and punishments <laughs> and whatnot. Well, yeah, whatever. PBIS, right? It's a prison. No. Um, no, it's not. But... Um, but that's what I'm getting at is like what we think prison should be because hopefully none of us are ever going there, you know, and, and because we don't want to be there. Um, and the reality of people that do go there are two different things. And people do change in prison. Um, and, and there are certain things that people pick up because they go to prison, you know. Mm. And so we may fix this, but it may cause that. So, I mean, I, I just I think it's. I think that in itself could be an amazing episode, but none of us, I think, are qualified as experts to speak on it. I mean, we, we know enough to be dangerous, um, but I think that would actually be an interesting thing to talk about on our podcast sometime if we could get an expert in, in prisons. Well, there you go. So there you go. Wow, we have gone an hour talking about Alcatraz, and I was going to be shocked if we were going to uh, eke out 15 minutes. Well, there no. you, you did. I mean, we we did a good job. I think. I don't know. We. I mean, I, with a lot of the things that uh, that we discuss, it's it's a uh, it's a very thirty five thousand feet type look. Um, right, but, but, no, but we had good. some. It's a nice introduction. Well, we had some good stories in there too. We had some good yeah. stories. I mean, yeah, I, again, I, it's, I'm familiar with it. I knew what it was. I knew some certain aspects in history. I don't know that much that I could really contribute that much. I mean, I think Rude, you seem to be the the, the 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 expert on this particular. Mm-hmm. I I wouldn't say expert, but I would say that Jason did a good job. Jason Rue did a good job of going out at eleven o'clock last night and reading um, a number of articles to try to get something <laughs> lined up to talk about today. So there you go. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Hey, whatever you, you know. Last you educated minute. yourself. It's all good. Hey, there you go. And now how dare I, you? How dare you educate yourself? Oh, I thought you were going to be like 
See, how dare he compliments me for doing something right for once. Oh, no. no I'm oh. thinking, you know, most of the people that I know are educating themselves via memes. So it's nice. <laughs> memes, you know. I didn't use any memes. I used primary sources. Those aren't true? Those memes aren't true? What are you saying? Um, they are. They are true. They are absolutely true. I'm being facetious. Oh, okay. <laughs> is, is that anything like fictitious? Uh... It is, but no, it's not. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a solid answer. Thank you for that. No, that's, my, that's my new. That's I'm going into politics now. So that's, <laughs> oh. I'm trying to get my answers together. Ah, fair enough. All right, I need answer a break, guys, and yep, uh, you need one too. So we're gonna take a break, and when we come back, we'll give a, a little bit of this week in history, and we probably should talk about Garen Porter a little bit. No oh boy, do we have to? No, we don't have to, but we're gonna anyway. Okay. All right. All right. Back after this. First of all, I mean, if you're, so, why are you asking questions? It, Just stop. if you're Just stalking stop. them, stop. why would you stop. have a picture? Why are you inviting this? Why? <laughs> why do you feel? I mean, it's like he's story? not thinking these things through. <laughs> Back we are in the history, bros, and uh, we've got a big this week in history for you, um, with like lots of events and stuff. So uh, we should get going on that, guys, huh? <laughs> Should we? I well, it, the break was like uh, Hatfield often says was forty five seconds on the podcast and about uh, forty five minutes in real time. Day and a half. <laughs> day and a half. <laughs> it's now Wednesday, folks. Yes. If yes. this was a football reference, we had a few false starts. <laughs> that's that's charitable. That's being charitable. <laughs> So October 12th, 1492, Rodrigo ah, yes. de Triana shouts from his lookout atop his ship, the Pinta, that he spotted land after five weeks of an open ocean crossing. Um, they had not yet created closed oceans. So <laughs> it was an open ocean crossing. Right, right. The Italian leader of this Spanish-funded voyage, Christopher Columbus, will name the area of their first North American landfall, San Salvador. We should um, do an episode on that. There guy. was something on CBS this morning, Sunday morning, that they were talking about, you know, Columbus, and how a lot of these Columbus statues were going up around the time that, um, I mean, the perspective of this is something that we, we a couple episodes ago, we talked about uh whether Christopher Columbus was a hero or a villain, mm -hmm. but there was a um, the a lot of these statues were going up when Italian Americans were you know basically trying to say hey we're part of America because they had been you know uh, people had been prejudiced against them as a lot sure. of people over the years um, and of course when Christopher Columbus was getting all that then you had Scandinavians who were like, no, we're the ones that found it first, you know, Leif Erikson and all this kind of stuff. And so there's Leif. always this. Okay. I'll, I'll take your word for it. The organ. Um, but they, you know, and it was just, it was interesting to say that, you know, people aren't, it was not, you know, when they were putting the, uh, you know, the, the reasoning behind putting up those, um, statues wasn't because you know we're trying to oppress the taino people or this but it was really more uh, italian americans trying to say hey 
we're Americans too. We're proud of this. We have a part in this story in a time right. where they were facing a lot of discrimination amongst, you know, uh, and so that's um, that was a that was a very interesting perspective that had just completely slipped my mind. There was but, also um, a large part to do with um, in 1892. Uh, the president at that time was Harris. No, not Harrison. Anyway, uh, there was a big push at that time for um, celebrating the 300th anniversary of Columbus coming across. Um, mm. And obviously, we we are very well aware of what the racial situation was at that time. Um, so there's there's a certain amount of that that's playing into it now. Uh, people, I'm sure, will say, "Oh, come on, Rude, you're just trying to push that liberal agenda." No, there's there's some reality to it. <laughs> um, you know, Columbus wasn't Columbus until we made him Columbus, so to speak. Interesting. If you don't understand what I'm saying, no. <laughs> what I mean by that is Columbus wasn't the celebrated explorer in the 1700s, and he wasn't the celebrated explorer at the, during the Civil War. He became the celebrated explorer around, you know, um, you know the late 1800s. And at, at this time when, like you said, combined with the Italians coming across the ocean, uh, immigrating here and being treated poorly, and then obviously this this nationalism that was being established uh, as the United States was rising up and becoming an, an industrial power on the three okay. okay. So there, there's my dynamite drop in where I pretend to know what I'm talking about. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah. But maybe I'm wrong. Uh, tell me whatever you want. But <laughs> no, I mean, it's, Okay. I mean, I, I yeah, you're shocked because I said something coherent, aren't you? Was it coherent? Okay. Well, yeah. that's really <laughs> how it you, Okay. You're shocked because I said something that was meant to be serious and not screwing around for once. Okay. That I will. That's uh, better. Really. That's yes. much better. I, yes. I can hop on board that one. Yep. Okay. Okay. All right. Moving right along. October 16th. 1859, inspired by his anti-slavery beliefs and enraged by pro-slavery violence, abolitionist John Brown launches an armed assault on the Federal Armory at Harper's Ferry, Virginia. Brown and his small band of supporters is no match for the U.S. Marines that will be called out against him. Correct. Who led the Marines? It's funny that someone was trying to um, edit our live document i'm a i'm a professional and i will not allow anyone to divert me from the task at hand mr hatfield because you know someone was trying to say west virginia which right. in 1859 did not yet exist right. i'm very glad that you got that right hatfield because that is correct west virginia didn't come around until 1863 and then we're obviously we're talking about 1859 not 1959 right. as i would have said i wasn't i wasn't uh, the one editing the document well neither was i, I was trying to say Oh, of course not. Or maybe anyway. Um, I did want to point out that I watched. Uh, so I think we had yes. talked about it in our chat. I did yes. get to see the first episode of. Uh, it, it is a collaboration between Showtime and uh, BET, but it's called The Good Lord Bird, and it has to do with um, John Brown, basically uh, his history and his. Uh, 
expeditions, ex, you know, whatever you want to call it, adventures throughout the uh, <clears throat> United States. Uh, the first episode kind of talks about how he um, got started uh, putting together what he would consider an army in uh, Kansas. And uh, it's from the perspective of a small boy that was named Onion. So it's actually a very good show. Ethan Hawke plays John Brown. He is fascinating uh, in that role. Um, he is it. Is well, is it is it like is, is, is it supposed okay. to be bizarre or I mean, it the, is. The, yeah. Yeah. So the the trailer that I that I had put out on social media almost made it seem like a comedy. Um, it is. It, it did not play that way. Uh, it is super intense. Mm. Um, it is super, um, what's the word you just used? Um, just, just kind of, uh, I don't want to say over the top cause that almost sounds cheesy over the top in a very intense way, if that makes sense. Um, but do you think not, it's, it's, not quite it's Tarantino, exaggerating but, <laughs> uh, is it exa- or, or is it trying to say, okay, this is the possibility of, John Brown being I really think kind of- I think it I think I don't think it's over the top I think it I think it really makes you think God was Brown this crazy um yes he was well and then it then it plays right on uh I thought it was excellent um I unfortunately don't have Showtime uh, we had a free preview so I won't get to see it anymore but I'll have to find a way to uh uh, to see the rest of the show but it's called the Good Lord Bird uh, again it's on Showtime I think it's on Sunday evenings so yeah um, I'll keep you posted as I, if I get to see some more absolutely okay Showtime wasn't Homeland on that too as a matter of fact it was well yes it was in I, fact I, um, really I used to go it. over to my friend Jackie Birch's uh, house in order to watch it because I was too cheap to have Showtime who's Jackie Birch she was she is a uh, casting director that um, used to live in Wilmington at the time. Um, funny story about that. Um, I was doing a show in Wilmington and got a phone call, or the, the theater that I was working at got a phone call uh, from uh, her assistant at the time. And the person who took the message down kind of screwed the names up. They kind of combined both their names together. So when I actually <laughs> called them back, I'm like, who, who was it? But it was... Um, but this lady was wanting me to come and audition for something. And I'm thinking it's probably like a student film or something along those lines. Like, um, but uh, so I did a little IMDB search just to mm-hmm. see. And th- that turned completely crazy because uh, Jackie, who's fantastic, love her to death. Um, she uh, cast Die Hard. She cast Predator. She oh, cast cool. 16 Candles, if I'm correct. Um, and of course, my personal favorite, Roadhouse. Oh, Roadhouse. Excellent. And uh, she, every time I watch it, I text her and I'm like, I'm watching my favorite movie. She's like, I don't understand what about that movie that you like so much. <laughs> <laughs> but she's, uh, but yeah, she used to do a lot of big time and she still does uh, do casting and whatnot. And, um, but she would uh, invite me over to her house to watch the uh, Homeland when the episodes were first airing. And, uh, but then she moved. I think she's in Atlanta now because once they passed the tax credits and it oh, sort yeah, of dried yeah. things up in North Carolina, everyone immediately shifted down to Georgia. And uh, that's where yeah. a lot of stuff. Although uh, Wilmington, I think they're, sh- they're filming a new Scream movie 
there right now. Oh, cool. Um, so yeah, they're doing. They've and it's. It looks like it's starting to pick back up, but I don't know. Yeah, they did the same thing in Missouri. They ended the tax credit tax credit program, so a lot of stuff that was scheduled immediately moved to Georgia. Like escape from New York. Uh, no. I think actually the uh, so Clooney did a movie here with Anna Kendrick up in the air. Oh, Anna um, Kendrick. That was one of the like the one of the last big movies shot in Missouri, and then the tax credits ended. You know who Anna Kendrick looks like? Oh boy, Lady Washington. Probably a combination of her parents <laughs> <laughs> and Lady That's Washington. That's well done. Well done. Oh, so is it? Isn't that the casting director that you were supposed to get on the show for us to talk to her about how that works? I don't know if I did. You did, but that's okay. I don't we'll, know if I was. I mean, I don't know if I was supposed to do that. She's, 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 uh, she was on a. Um, actually, the movies that made us. Sure. Yeah the the series on mm-hmm. uh, Netflix. I think that's what we talked about before when they talked about Die Hard. They do interview her. Although I'm surprised because I don't think they introduce who she was. Oh, that's because I'm watching it. And I'm like, oh my god, it's Jackie. And then, it, but it wasn't like a little name card that came up. <laughs> I don't Whoops. think I'll need to. So I'm like, why would you not? Now all of a sudden it looks like here's this random woman that's just talking about. <laughs> you know? But she was like one of the first people to um, give uh, uh, Hans Gruber oh. uh, a shot. And she kind of helped. I mean, he was doing uh, stage work and stuff like that. But I think he uh, she was the one that really helped. <laughs> she was so good at she would go and see performances and productions in Wilmington. And see people and be like, hey, that person would be good. And it's kind of like an actor's dream to be doing like a, a stage play or something and you know, be discovered and stuff like that. But she's right. the one that um, she helped cast the conspirator. Mm-hmm. And um, so she was the one that. Um, I watched that last uh, night. Cool. Cha-ching. <laughs> um, but they. Uh, no, that, not the whole uh, thing, just part of it. She. Uh, but yeah, so she kind of helped. um uh, get me help get me my start in the the brief film career that I had. So nice. This guy by the, the parts name it's Asa uh, Trenchcoat, I think. Um, he does <laughs> oh, that a heck was, of a that job. was a rough one to stumble through there. <laughs> October seventeenth, nineteen thirty one. Brooklyn native Al Capone. I think we've talked about him already. Is brought to justice after a violent criminal career, but it's not a rival's bullets or a murder conviction that finally does him in. The 32-year-old, known as Scarface, is convicted on tax evasion charges and sentenced sentenced to a prison term of 11 years. How relevant is that? We just talked about that guy. I know. Hey, Hatfield, you're you're a pretty good uh, researcher. How did did he die? (laughs) Um, there were these little, uh, green balls of, um, chemical, uh, like a chemical <laughs> neuro agent. And, um, he, one, one rolled up against the wall and broke yeah, while right. he was trapped in there. And yep. it made his skin bubble up mm-hmm. and stuff. And he, he died that way. Okay. Yeah. Nick, Nick Cage was unable to save him. Yeah. So there it had nothing. Nick Cage. God, what, what? I mean. Okay, no, I, that's I, that's a whole other <laughs> rant for a different day. I mean, some of the stuff that he does, don't get me wrong. I mean, like leaving Las Vegas 
I thought that he did some amazing work in that, but some of his choices as an actor, I'm like, why did you, why did you do, who, who does that? But Hey, he's made more money in film than I have. So I guess I can't, you know, really be tossing too many, uh, casting too many stones as it were. He, his best work is definitely in the national treasure series. Hey, say what you, I mean, honestly, I'm serious. Those, those movies are, are super entertaining. They are. And you know, while they may not be as good as movies, there's two of them. There's only one 1917. They didn't make a 1918, but they did make a National Treasure 2. <laughs> and they're talking about making now, National Treasure now 3. To be, fair, so, yes. to be fair, there is a 1919. Yeah. Well, I, I think you're, you're, you're trying to say that 1917, which was, I think it won some Academy Awards, is somehow less for not having a sequel? Yeah. You can tell he's a young kid because that's what the kids think. Yeah, okay. exactly. You have to, I mean, how many <laughs> okay, X-Men or how many Marvel movies are there? How many DC or whatever? I mean, there's a million of them. So what that's the thing in the movie industry, especially now, I'm trying to figure once out once you've got something, right you ride that horse until it's dead and then you hit it a few more times. Mm, no, sometimes people know when to quit. <laughs> Apparently, I, I kind of like Apparently, I, I don't. You would know with some of your rent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> October 14th, 1947, former WW2 fighter pilot Chuck Yeager flies an experimental Bell X1 rocket plane at a supersonic speed that some experts believe will rip apart any aircraft. Jaeger pushes it to Mach 1.07, faster than the speed of sound, and afterwards lands safely in the California desert. I think that is probably also streaming on uh, Disney+. Plus. What's that? Um, the right stuff. I think they discussed that. Uh, kind of the birth of the space program. There was a movie... Way back in the day when I was younger, my parents wanted to go see movies, but they would have to bring us with them. Mm. And so some of the movies that I went to go see in the theater with my parents were Chariots of Fire. Oh, okay. so you a do like experience as a kid, um, <laughs> but you can't really get that kind of sleep at home. Right. Um, and then they took me to go see the right stuff as well. And again, I'm thinking, ooh, space and rockets. And my dad's trying to, but it's, of course, there's no explosions, no lightsabers. And so it's just kind of like, <laughs> uh, what is, what is expedition? Exposi- uh, never mind. Easy for you to say. Easy for <laughs> you to say. I was trying to say exposition. But, I know what um, you're trying to say. I pulled a rude. Oh. oh. <laughs> No, but um, I think they are starting a new series called The Right Stuff, and I don't know if it's a limited series. I don't think it'd be an ongoing kind of thing, but one of the things that they talked about, at least in the film version, and I think they're doing that in here, is uh, Chuck Yeager's um, flight. And they were really worried that it would uh, destroy uh, an aircraft and stuff like that to do. Hmm. And, um, are you cast in the new series? Yes, yes, I play Chuck Yeager. That's how I know about it. Well, the... <laughs> That I'm not watching it. This is breaking news. Yeah, it is. Well, I mean, it may not look like me, and I'm going under a pseudonym, but that's me. Is the pseudonym Ashton Kutcher? Because that one's already taken. 
Um, no, because that's already taken. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually going by the name of Throat Wobbler Mangrove. (laughs) I don't get it. Jason still doesn't know that reference, which saddens my heart. It saddens my heart. I'm sorry. Darren Porter, I know you're listening. I know that you're just as upset as I am right now. Yeah. Speaking which, by the way, we need to talk about all Garen Porter. We do need to do that real quick here before we get done. And let's do that now because Garen. Okay. Garen has had dinner, bought dinner for two of the three bros, but he's blowing off the third one because, you know, North Carolina. Hmm. I didn't want to say. See, I don't but. know if I feel you guys went to go eat at like restaurants and stuff, right? Yeah, right. I don't feel comfortable doing that yet. I don't. I don't feel comfortable doing that. I mean, oh my go gosh, he's being serious, to, huh? You're being serious. Yeah, no, I'm not. I don't feel comfortable with that yet. Oh, that's fine. I just you're being serious. I mean, we'll go and we'll grab. I'll go to the grocery store. I'll we'll go pick up takeout and bring it home. We'll go eat in the park. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. No, that's, but I'm just saying, you know, there's the, I don't know what it, I know that the COVID is kind of on the rise in your guys' neck of the woods. Um, and it's, we're still trying to struggle a little bit through here, but, you know, I just, there's so much that I still don't know about it. Yeah, um, that I'm just, you know, I'm, it's not like I'm, you know, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. It really, I mean, 210,000 people, I think we're at that point now. Sure. And, and plus, we're going to go see my mom uh, pretty soon, and I, um, you know, I'm a little, you know, I don't want to make sure that I don't can that I'm not contaminated when I go to see her. But well, right, no, that's fine. But Garen, I'm nowhere near as bad as I was when this whole thing started off. Where so, it was like, how did know, this go from hey, let's talk about Garen Porter to let's talk about Jason Hatfield? Because you were talking oh, about going boy. to go get something to eat, and so Hatfield had to turn it into. Know what it turned into. <laughs> and, then, and then you mentioned he had gone to see two people, but not one, which was me. So there you go. <laughs> well, anyway, we were. match. Anyway, uh, Garen <laughs> Porter had dinner with Brian Gelbmacher, and Brian, I believe you gifted Did. him with an amazing I, gift. I was gift. I was so fortunate uh, because I was I don't want to use the word blessed. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. <need. laughs> I uh, I just happened to receive not one, no, no, two copies. I believe we've talked about this before of uh, of a special book called Jack Henson's One Man War. Hit it, Hatfield. Did it ever, was it ever established where you received oh, these he copies? Didn't, he didn't sing. I can tell you for certain that I know who purchased at least one of them. Really? And I can now identify to you that that man's name is Jason Root. Um, that's I think that's breaking news. I think <laughs> we suspected that, but I don't think it had ever been confirmed. Yeah, except I, I, we absolutely confirmed it in the last episode, but whatever. <laughs> you know. He did. Yeah, he goes, if I right, find it was me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I confirmed so, it. So, yes. Um, as far as the second uh, I only second bought copy, one. They sent you two. That's the company. I really think fault. it was a shipping area. Which, <laughs> hey, lucky me, right? Uh, wow. <laughs> So anyway, I uh, I graciously decided, knowing that I was going to have uh, dinner with Mr. Porter, uh, that I would, out of the kindness of my heart, pass along the joy 
that uh, <laughs> that will come with reading this amazing story of uh, of of an American hero, really. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? A real American hero. I couldn't even get through oh, all that. A, laughing. But wasn't there a song <laughs> written about it? Like, what's this, how's the song go? I maybe. Uh, Someone would have to fight them for off. Me. I don't know. Jack Hinson. Pew pew pew. Well, that sounds familiar. I I, 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 Hatfield does it better. I'm sure I could go and dig it up real quick just to be a prick. <laughs> um, I'm sure you could. I'm sure you could. And I'm sure it's still going to happen at some point. But, um... <laughs> uh, anyway. You know, so, yeah, we had dinner uh, and had a great time. Garen, thank you uh, for dinner. That was a blast. Um, you know, Garen and I have been friends for quite a while, and uh, it's been a while since I've seen him, so it was good to catch up. So, yeah, good times. Nice. Yeah. Very good. And while Rude's searching for that, let me go ahead and read this one. Um, October 15th, 1969, because for some reason I don't think this is over. Um, with some, some 40,000 American troops killed in the Vietnam War, millions of people across the U.S. and the world gather in a moratorium to end the war in Vietnam, a mass demonstration calling for peace and withdrawal of forces from Southeast Asia. It will be called history's largest peace rally. All right. More things nice. I didn't know about, so that's cool. You should do more research. Aren't you a history I teacher? I should. Yeah, I know, right? Jeez. Make us all look bad. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Uh, October 12th, 2000. Upwards of 700 pounds of explosives blast a 40 by 60 foot hole into the port side. That's the left side, people. Of the USS Cole as it's docked in Aden, Yemen. 17 soldiers will die and 40 are wounded in the bombing of the U.S. Navy vessel. And authorities will suspect and eventually confirm the terrorist group Al-Qaeda is behind the attack because some guy by the name of Osama bin Laden. I think we've heard of him. Not for a while, though. He's been dead for 10 years. Mm. Well, not quite 10 years. Um, he, he claims responsibility for it, and that was... Uh, another follow-up attack. That was the first time he really directly attacked the U.S., straight-up directly attacked. Mm -hmm. But he also bombed uh, embassies in Kenya and somewhere else, I think. Kenya, for sure. I thought there was another one that killed U.S. citizens as well. Pretty sure, correct. On top of my head, I don't recall. And then, obviously, uh, less than a year after that, we're going to see the attacks of 9-11, in Mm. which... um, more Al-Qaeda attacking is done. Um, so, yeah, there's that. That's what I got for you. I did not go and look up the pew, pew, pew. I'll try to Aww. do it for the next. Well, I just, I don't remember which episode it was, and I didn't want to have to go through and listen to all that stuff. That's all right. To do it, I was going to have to mute everything. I, and- was, were you under the impression that someone was disappointed? Oh, Tanzania I was, was the I was a little disappointed. Maybe. Tanzania okay. was the other right. one. By the way, what you got you two don't know is that for the last fifteen minutes, Bob Fenske, my good buddy from the radio show, has been sitting in the studio with me listening to this whole thing, trying his best not to laugh into a microphone. Good God, I'm so sorry you've been subjected to this. <laughs> Here, I'll I'll so get, I'll turn his microphone on now. He's never been on the podcast, so, so he, he can talk to you now. Oh boy. I love listening to you guys. <laughs> I mean, I really do. This is an impromptu guest. This is a first for us. 
And yeah, I was going to say, I don't think we had a, a, a contest or anything. This is- <laughs> no, no, I got to record the radio show right after this. So he gets to come in and, and be a part of this because of that. And so he came in to, to do that. Um, and nice. he got in here. And was, I, so he's about to say something. I go, she's like, oh, geez. And I, I, I set up a set of headphones knowing he was going to be coming in. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to listen to this. So Fenske's with us. He had something to say. No, I just, I just, when I walk in and I hear National Treasure 3, (laughs) I I, I knew that, you know, but you know, Hatfield and I are coming up with a sequel to the movie that should have won. What's that? Here we go. Here we go. The Conspirator 2? No, 1917 2, colon, 1918. Uh, So, there. So, shouldn't it be a dash? No, I, I think we I think we need to work on the name a little bit. I feel 1917 <laughs> even warrior. <laughs> so like this it. is breaking news. <laughs> yeah. I, no, I think that we're going to call it 1918. We're almost done. <laughs> we, we swear. <laughs> right. See, I told you, yeah, you got to ride it till it's dead and then beat it a couple more times. <laughs> Right, right. I figured he was going to do the conspirator too, uh, you know, where Lincoln rises from the grave and chases and kills zombies. Although I think that movie's already been done. <laughs> no, nah, it's yeah. the other way around. It was Zombie Hunter, so he was right. he was oh. chasing zombies. Okay, all right. So no, the- what happens is is that Anna Sur- or Mary Surratt crawls her way out of the grave, and oh, then geez. and then Lincoln then is reanimated and has to hunt her down, and <laughs> and then there's this huge scene where he puts her on trial again. Again, and then is the is the, the big line again. at the end do you know how big of a headache you gave me <laughs> wow wow <laughs> that's bad <laughs> that's well, not as bad as what we did during the break trying to use john bon jovi's uh you give love a bad name uh as like sort of like the the music for it but it's but it shot through the heart. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. And they, the he's not interested in re re-recording it. So, you guys, right, do right. you guys ever, do you guys ever think about what would happen if somebody came into the middle of one of your podcasts? Oh, I, I hold no <laughs> preconceived notions. We usually, that someone has just cried we usually sleep. Think that's, well, we usually think that's going to happen, but that's the FCC. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right, guys, I'd love to give Bob more time, but uh, I got to get on to bigger and better. Th- I mean, uh, I got to get on to recording another uh, show, and you guys need to go on and not deal with me because you've been putting up with me for the last two and a half hours now. Thank you, God. What? I mean, what? <laughs> hey, so, hey, if I'm here in two and a half hours, somebody come and get me. Okay? <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Well, it, yeah, we got 45 minutes worth of content to record, and it may take us every bit as long as it takes us to record this podcast. Oh. Boy, Again, oh boy, we're at the hour and wow. a half mark on the podcast, and this has been a two and a half hour recording session, and this has actually been fairly fairly efficient, except for the break where Hatfield started sending pictures out. Mm. I think I saw that with oh, I don't yeah. want anyone to think that there's like, you know... Uh, Continuity, pictures. yeah, continuity. Oh, there's, there's no, sorry, there's no pictures um, of cotton. Yeah. <laughs> Easy for so you. So for the say. history, bros. Oh, oh no! Someone please wrap this up. Yeah, let's I was land trying the plane. To... Land the plane. Jesus. 
This is uh, Flight uh, History Bros podcast hey, episode hey, we're still it. Still it. <laughs> Requesting li- uh, permission to land. Uh, tower, uh, go ahead, History Bros podcast. <laughs> All right, here we come on our final approach. I didn't hear what it's going to go. I mean, we don't know it, but is yeah, we're still going to be flying this thing for probably another five minutes. You know. <laughs> So for the History Bros Podcast, my name is Jason Rude. Thank you very much. Joined with uh, special guest Bob Fenske from the New Hampton Tribune and the Sports Zone and two other yokels. I'm not going to say their name because they're mean to me. Mm. <laughs> I'm kidding. Jason Hatfield I'm fine and, with Brian, that. and Brian Gilmacher. <laughs> Have a good a one, everybody. Hair. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> See ya. Peace out. Deuces.